So let's jump into the word. We're going to talk about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Three parables. So y'all bring a lunch? No, I'm just kidding. We're going to go through it quick. All right. Here we go. We're going to start reading in Luke chapter 15. It's kind of a lengthy passage here to start. Uh, so just follow along with me. It should be up on the screen. Tax collectors, other notorious sinners, often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. So we see here that the Pharisees, they were all upset that Jesus is spending time with sinners and that sinners are attracted to Jesus. It says that notorious sinners often came. It wasn't just like, oh, we happened to run into Jesus. They often came to hear Jesus speak. Verse 3, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness, go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will carefully, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and have, haven't strayed away. Verse 8, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins. And loses one. Won't she light a lamp, sweep the entire house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate this point further. So again, he's illustrating this even further. And if you think about it, he starts talking with, you know, okay, here's one. One out of a hundred. He cares about the one. One out of ten. Cares about that. And then he goes here to the parable of the lost son. And he says, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land. There he wasted all of his money in wild living. About, that, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and, began, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a, young, a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But, but, this, but his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing fatted, the fatted calf. 
His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. So we, we started when we read in this first, uh, very first verse, we read about Jesus and he was speaking and he was teaching and it said that often some of the uh, notorious sinners and tax collectors would come to listen to him teach. I believe it was a message of love. And it was a message that was attracting people who were searching, people who were looking, people who knew that there was something that they were missing. And you know what? All of us, and we're going to get to, to uh, a couple of different things as we go through, but I want to start here. All of us at one point were there. All of us at one point were lost. Without Jesus, without understanding of the price that he paid for us, we were all there. And I don't know, um, you know, I don't know how many times this has happened to you, but as a child, if you've ever been lost, that's a scary feeling. And there's times where you know you're lost, then there's times where you don't even know you're lost. But either way, when you're lost, it's scary. And sometimes you can't find your way back. And I'll never forget, it was several years ago, I don't even remember how many years ago, we were at the beach. And, you know, when, when you're kids and you play in the beach and you're just out there playing, slowly the current's moving you a little bit and you don't, you don't always know. And we were all right there, right in front of the uh, ocean. We had, the, um, we had this uh, umbrella, different colors, and we're just all kind of playing. And all of a sudden, um, I mean, it was just a matter of, a couple minutes, and somebody said, uh, where's Meg? And uh, we started looking, you know, and I thought, well, she's probably, and then we started looking, and all of a sudden, we can't find her. And your first thought is, okay, relax, she's, you know, she's, she, she's probably just right here, and you just kind of look for a second. Well, then all of a sudden, I mean, we're looking, and she's not anywhere. And we look up to the umbrella, she, she ran up to get a little shovel or something, and she's not there. And, and all of a sudden, I remember that feeling of, oh, shoot, the whole world's about to stop. My whole world is stopping until we find this girl. That's my girl. Talking about my girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and all of a sudden, some of y'all got that. Okay, so all of a sudden, panic starts to hit. And all of a sudden, I realized, you know what? My daughter's lost. Because I know she didn't just run away. And all of a sudden, we looked. Panic started setting a little bit. Um, Patty, me, everybody's like, okay. And, and, you know, you hate to do this, but all of a sudden, you're checking the water. You know, you're checking if there was a current. And all these thoughts are going through your mind. And then all of a sudden, I just, I just looked. And God gave me eagle eyes, Superman eyes. And I looked way down the beach, and I see this little dot. And it looks like a little girl. And right close to where that little girl is is an umbrella that's the colors of ours. And all of a sudden, we realized that she got going down, and she saw the umbrella. I thought that was us. She got up there and realized it wasn't us, and she's panicked. And she's miserable. She's screaming. And we can't, she's so far, we, we don't even hear her screaming. And all of a sudden, the speed that I have, <laughs> I'm flying. And all of a sudden, the speed that my wife has <laughs> set it to a whole nother level. I was like, Patty, I got, go ahead and get her. Go ahead and get her, Patty. 
You got her. I saw it. You get it. What teamwork. I mean, that girl was running. There was no sense. I mean, I just thought, wow, she's fast. Why is she that fast? Because her daughter's lost. She finds her. She gets her. She brings her back. And then there's that, oh, man. And then there's just so much. You know, you know what, what you find is there's so much love. There's so much compassion. Man, what was she going through? What was she feeling? Lost. Not able to find her way back. And these stories that Jesus is saying with the lost sheep, is he's, he, he's, he's talking about this shepherd and he has these sheep. And sometimes sheep, sheep are known sometimes to be kind of dumb animals. I mean, just to say it that way. Um, you don't see a lot of sheep trained to do a lot of stuff. You know, you got a dog to help lead the blind, you know, sniff out drugs. A sheep just like, bah, bah, you know. And, um, but this sheep just wanders off. And, a lot, and if a sheep wanders off and they're there, they, they usually, they don't find their way back. And, it, and the shepherd has to go get the sheep. And that's what, that's what Jesus is saying is, listen, I, I love in Luke 19, 10, we'll get to it in a second, but it says that the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save those who were lost. You know, there's nothing we could have done to get to Jesus. When we were sinners, when we were in our worst, without Jesus, he came to earth. He came here and paid, our, paid a price for us. When we were just lost, we were going our own way. We didn't even realize it. We just didn't know how to get back. And there's people here today, I believe you're lost. And today, Jesus is seeking after you. And he wants to pull you in to safety. And we're going to talk about how our attitude towards the lost is going to show what we're talking about now and how Jesus' attitude towards us is. But Jesus showed this love for everybody, even for the lost you know, we have to look, so we have to be very careful sometimes that we get this, we get this attitude sometimes, it's us against the world. It's, it's, it's the righteous versus the sinner, but it's not because we were the sinner and Jesus made us righteous and he wants to do that for everybody. And we have to, we have to look and see how, how Jesus handled the lost. And you know what? He spent time with them. He didn't spend time with them to the point to let them influence him, but he spent time with them to build relationship to help point them to the right direction. And he preached the word. He shared the love of God with people and it drew, it drew people. I say this all the time uh, and I don't mean it in a negative way, but I'm saying it in a way to say if we will love people the way God does, we'll draw people. We'll draw people to our lives, to our churches, to our community. We'll draw people in based on our love for one another. Romans 2, 4 said it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's loving kindness that drew us, and it will draw others if we will demonstrate that with other people. So let's look at how God showed his love for the lost. John three sixteen. This is how God loved what? The world. Lost people, are they in the world? When you were lost, were you in the world? Yes. God's love is the same. He loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes will not perish but have eternal life. Luke 19.10. 
says, the Son of Man came but to seek and save those who were lost. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise as some people think. He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. See, sometimes we have to think, and I'm guilty of this, okay? I'm very guilty of this sometimes when I'm just like, Lord Jesus, just, just come on back. I, this world is driving me crazy. And there's times that I pray that. A lot of times I'm on Facebook when I pray that. I'm like, Lord Jesus, come quickly. These people, these people crazy. And the people talking about the people are crazy. And the people talking about the people talking about the people are crazy. That's another issue. Wait. But you know what? Let me tell you why God is patient. Because he loves everybody. And he wants everybody to come to know him. And he's patient because he's like, listen, tell some more. Tell some more. There's lost people out there. And they're lost. And they're hurting. And they don't know how to find their way back. And God is saying, love them. Because I do. I love the world. I loved you before you did anything. Before you ever chose to love me, I already loved you. Romans 5, 8 is a great example of that. It says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still in this place of you know, knowing that we had nothing to do with God, living our life how we want, and yet God loves us enough that even before we turned to him, he had already paid the price for us. He had already sent Jesus for us because he loves us. No greater love than someone who would lay down his life for his friend, and Jesus demonstrated that love. He demonstrated it. You're, you're loved. When you were lost, you're loved. You're loved still now that you're found, and if you're here today and you haven't gotten your relationship with Jesus yet, listen, you're loved right now. You're loved. Even before you say yes to him, you are loved. You're loved by the, by the creator of this world. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ so it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. He wants you to understand, even though it's so great you can't fully understand it all, but he wants you to get more and more of a revelation of how much he loves you and how much he loves people that are lost. Because the gospel message is about a, a Jesus, our Jesus, that came to seek and save the lost. That God who looked down and knew that we couldn't do it on our own. And because, and we'll get to this later, but because of the sin of one man that brought death into the world, so the decision of another man brought life and righteousness. And that's, that's, that's what we're here to talk about today. That God loves us that much. Let's look at the next one. Let's look at the lost coin. The lost coin, you know, here's, I don't know if you've lost, ever lost something just as far as maybe not a person. But you've lost something. And you don't realize how important something is until you lose it. How many ever lost your keys? Now, how many wake up every morning? Man, I just, I love these keys. These are so valuable. So awesome. Woohoo! I got me some keys. 
These, I mean, we don't think like that until we lose them. And then we lose them. <gasps> My keys! I mean, now we're just, why? Because we're realizing the value that maybe we never understood. You ever lost your wallet? Remember that feeling? You ever lost a driver's license or credit card? You ever lost your cell phone? It's crazy. Lived most of my life without it. My parents didn't have them. They functioned fine. I, I got ready to leave. I was going, last night, I was going to Publix, which is, I could, I could, I could throw a baseball to Publix probably. Well, several times. It's a little further than that, but it's not far at all. You just go out of my development, take a right. Publix is right up there on the right. I'm going there just to return a movie. And I get to the car. I start backing up. I'm like, oh, I don't have my phone. I'm, Good thing. Good thing I got it. Never know. I had to walk back. I mean, jeez. I was like, I couldn't go right down the street without my phone. Why? Because all of a sudden, I, it just, it's just that valuable. What if someone needs me? What if I need something? There's people everywhere. I mean, I'm just going, boom. That's it. But see, we, we see things a lot more valuable sometimes when, when all of a sudden they're lost. And I want you to know, sometimes, sometimes we, we, we're, we lose and we don't see our value. And we don't see the value of people sometimes that are lost. And we don't understand, but then when you start putting into perspective how much God loves the world and all that he's done and the price that he paid, and you start to realize, you know those people that sometimes get on my nerve, that neighbor who drives me nuts, that whatever, that whatever. Listen, they're valuable to God. That this lady, the, the story that he used was about this lady who she did everything. She said she looked for it until she found it. That's how valuable it was. She wasn't going to give up on him. She wasn't going to stop. She's, she's turning lights on, she's sweeping, she's moving stuff, she's doing everything to find something that's valuable. You know what it says to me? It says to me that even when I was lost, I was valuable to God. Even when you were lost, you were valuable to God. He had a purpose, he had a plan for you, and he wanted to draw you into that. He wanted you to experience that and live out everything that he has for you. And every one of you here today, that's still the plan for you. That's still his plan for you because he sees value in you when you don't even see it in yourself. He sees value in you. And in this passage, we're going to look at a few scriptures, but look at Psalms 139, 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know us. See, God created you. He made you just the way you are. He created you. He's got great things for you. Look at these next scripture. Look at Luke 12, verse 6 and 7. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God doesn't forget a single one of them. God even knows and sees when the sparrow, all that's going on in a little bird, just a little bird. Then it says this, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You're more valuable. He knows everything about you, the hairs on your head or the lack of. He knows. Some of you, it's easier for him to remember and count than others. But he knows everything about you. He knows it. He knows. He knows all the details of your life. 
He knows all the decisions you've made, all the ones you're going to make. He knows everything. And he, say, and he says to you today, listen, even in your worst, you were valuable and you're still valuable. But I also want you to know that everybody outside these doors are valuable. They're valuable. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're good. They're not for disaster. They give you a future and a hope. They bring success. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. That's what God calls us. We are his masterpiece. He created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned long ago. I don't know what you would see as a masterpiece, what comes into your mind when you think about that. But I just think of just something. It's just, man, it is so important. It's like the centerpiece. It's just, it's something that you, you take very good care of, that you treasure, that you really, really appreciate and love. And that's what you are to God. You're his masterpiece. He made you. He created you perfect. To do great things for him. He created you new in Christ Jesus to fulfill the plans he's already laid out for you. He's already got them ready. He's already got the path out. All you have to do is follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. It doesn't get, I mean, is the road sometimes difficult? Yes, but you don't have to plow the path. It's already there. You just walk, and he's given you the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a helper, as one who will walk alongside of you and encourage you and speak the truth to you and help you make the decisions and help you know what's right and what's wrong. He'll, he'll do all that for you. But you're valuable, and you need to know today, no matter whether you're lost or found, whatever, wherever you're at in your walk with God, listen, you are valuable to God before you were saved and after. But you're valuable to God, and he loves you. 1 Peter 1.18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days he's, he's, being, he's been revealed for your sake. You know how you can tell the value of something? What was paid for it? If, something, if you pay a lot, it's more valuable to you. There are certain places that I'll go, certain places I won't, I won't go. When it comes to buying something, listen, if you really, really, really like something, you'll pay a lot for it. You know, you, you can go and Go to a restaurant or go somewhere and get some food that's just like, wow. And it's expensive, but boy, it's good. So to, to you, it's, it's worth the value. To other people, they'll go in, they'll grab the menu and like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, and I would recommend checking that before you go in. But some people have done that. I've worked at restaurants and I've seen people just come in. Uh, Let me get a, ooh, ooh. You know what? I'm, I'll be back. But you know what? If it's valuable to you, you'll pay. If it's not, you won't. You know what? The price for you, for you, take it, make it individual. The price for you to have the freedom in Christ, for you to be free from your sin and the wages of sin and all that stuff for you. The price wasn't just some chunk of silver or gold, just some cash. God at that time had one son. 
one. And he looks at you and he knows they're never going to be able to meet the standard. They're never going to be able to, to, to walk that perfect line. And, and, and sin, when sin came into the world, death came. And death is the price for sin. The Bible is very clear. The wages of sin is death. And God knew the only way that they can have victory over death is if it's paid. It's got to be paid, but someone's got to pay it for them. And he looks, and he's got one son. And he sees, he sees you lost, messing, struggling, hurting, striving. And he says, you know what? Jesus, I want you to pay it for him because I love them. And I'm going to have you go through that. And I'm going to have you pay that ultimate price. And then you're going to rise up and you're going to conquer it. And they'll never have to pay that because it's been paid in full. You want to talk about value? You don't have the right as a believer, to look in the mirror and say, I'm of no value. That's false. That's the devil. You are valuable because the price paid for you is the greatest price paid for anything, any person ever on the face of this earth. It was the only son of God. But as a result of that price, God no longer has one son. Now we're all sons and daughters of God because of one price that was paid because of God. He loves the lost, and he sees value in the lost. And then in this third one, we see the lost son, and he was, he was in relationship with his father, but he, he decided he wanted to do his own thing, and he wanted to go his own way. And he went, and he went to the father, and in those days, you know, when, when uh, you asked for your inheritance, you got it when your father passed away. And doing it early means you're almost like saying to your father, you're dead to me. I, I just want to go ahead and get this money. So just imagine just the hurt of saying, listen, I, I don't want to be with you anymore. I want what you can give me, and then I'm out. And that's kind of what this young son did. And the father, because of his love, and he said, listen, you know, if that's what you want. And he, and he allowed him. And see, God's given all of us a free will and a free choice to do things. You know, there's, it's not true that everything that happens is God's plan. He knows it will happen because he knows what you're going to choose. But you have a choice. You have a choice today of how you want to live your life. You go out there and be nice. You go out there and be mean. But you can't be mean and say, I think that's just God's will. Whatever I do is God's will. No, you're wrong. It's not how it goes. But he makes this decision. He goes out and he lives wild. He spends all the money. All the hard working. All the hard work his dad did. All that money. Gone. Finds himself. Pig pen. Working with pigs. To the point where now that pig stuff even looks good. 
And even then, for those Jews, when you read Leviticus, they weren't even, pigs were unclean animals. They weren't even supposed to really touch. And yet, you know what? Here he is amongst the pigs. But listen to this. I love this story because it says in Luke 15, it says he finally came to his senses. He's like, you know what? The best days out here were still worse than the days at home with my father. His servants even have it better. And he came to his senses and he decided, I'm going to go back and I'm going I'm to repent. And he had this thing in his mind that he may not be able to still be in the same place of relationship. That he may just have to go back as a servant. Because he failed. He disappointed his dad. He did the wrong thing. But this is the part of the story I love. It says that when he comes to his senses and he starts to head home, it's like the father saw him from a long distance. Which says he was, he was waiting on him to come home. And as soon as he saw him, he took off. He's like, That's, there's my boy. He's back. And he ran and he embraced him. He kissed him. He hugged him. And he said, listen, just get the robe, man. Get a ring. Get some shoes. It's party time. And a lot of times in, in, in churches and in thoughts, sometimes in our own life, we think that there would be this disappointment. You go out there and say, oh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, how'd you like the pig stuff? Yeah. Could have told you that was going to happen, buddy. That's not the heart of the Father. Heart of the Father did not go out there and reprimand and correct and condemn his son for bad choices. You know what he did? He welcomed him. Why? Because his son already knew he made bad choices. That's why he was coming home. And his father just loved him and embraced him. And didn't even let him come in as a servant and said, no, you're my son and you're coming back as my son. You know what that says to me about the loss and even about us is there's times in our life, whether it's you know, how far, I don't know. But there's always times in our life that we veer away from God a little bit in trust. We veer away and think, we, oh, I got this one. God, I can handle this. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. Or sometimes it is a willful decision. We get mad at God or something, and we, we go off and do our own thing. We turn our backs from God. And I want you to know, if you've done that, I want you to know that God's standing on the porch with his arms wide open, ready for you to come back. He's not mad. He's not angry. He's loving. He's merciful. He's kind. He's gracious. And he's ready for you to come back into a healthy relationship with him. That's what, that's what this, all these parables are all saying. Listen, that's God's heart. There's been such a misrepresentation of God in our world. A God that's always upset, demanding we do this and this and this. And every time we miss it, he's, uh, he's mad at us and he's trying to hurt us. He's trying to destroy us. He's just so frustrated with us. That's not the God we serve. You don't serve a God that's looking at every time you mess up, making a check mark on the, on the wall. Like, uh-huh, like your teacher in third grade. Yep, mm, there you go, check mark. One more, buddy. You're gone. I was a king of check marks. I understand how that works. <laughs> And I know how it feels every time you get a check mark. Know how it feels, get kicked out of class, sent to the office, all that stuff. But guess what? God doesn't do that. Because he loves you. 
He loves you and he paid the price for you. I want to read Romans 5, 10 through 21. I put that up on the, on the notes. Since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still yet sinners, he w- we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it wasn't counted as sin because they weren't, there was not any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not obey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who has yet to come. <clears throat> but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through, his, through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace of his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Instead, meaning in replace of, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, I read this to you because I want you to understand something. If you don't hear anything else I say, you have to understand this. Because this happens for the lost. It was the same way when you were lost. It's for the lost today that God paid the price for all of us who are here that have accepted him. We are now righteous. We are made right with God. We are in right standing with God. It's not based on your performance because it says in this passage we just read that he made us righteous even though we were guilty of sin. We were guilty of sin, yet he made us righteous. It says in Corinthians that God, we are called the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is very true. But 3.24, the very next verse says, but God, whenever it says that, okay, realize, okay, that's what I said. Yes, everyone sinned, but God now declares through his undeserved kindness that you are righteous. That you are righteous. And your righteousness is not because of what you do. And this is how we're going to finish this up today. Because remember when verse 2 and the Pharisees were all like, well, why are you associating with them and, and all this? Because those kind of people always are looking to themselves like, oh, we got it. Why are you doing that? That's what I believe the parable of the lost son was partly to show as well in the older brother. That the older brother was looking down on the younger brother who came home and returned to his father. And he was looking down because he thought he was better because he had never done anything. But can I tell you, the older son had his own issues. That he, he wasn't even, he didn't even have a heart to receive his brother back. He actually said, I've done everything you've ever told me to do. First of all, that's not true. 
his father, they were having a party, and he wouldn't even go in the house. The father had to come out and say, hey, come on. Come on, we're having this party. But even before that, you know, man, we all mess up. This brother wasn't perfect, but he saw himself that way. Why? Because whenever we want to look at other people, we always either look at people's faults to make us feel better. And sometimes I'm telling you, that's what, you know, you, when you can point something else out in somebody, it means you're not having to deal with what you got. Right? It's easy to be in a circle of people and say, oh, yeah, they're that, they're that, they're that, they're that, they're that. And then stop before you get to this one. And, and sometimes I'm guilty of it. You know, I'll tell my kids, stop getting so upset. Dad, you're upset. Don't talk about me. I'm talking about you. Stop getting so upset. Ain't no big deal. It's a big deal you're all upset. They better think, oh. God, you're the one up there. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to point to someone else. And that's what this whole thing was doing is pointing, like, well, they're not good enough. They did this. They did this. They did this. And we miss. Now, wait a minute. We didn't, we didn't get right standing because of what we did. So why would, we, why would we hold someone else to the standard that we were never held to? The only thing you did is say, you know what? I received the gift of Jesus. I received Jesus into my life. That's what you did. That's what gave you right standing. Jesus paid it. He did it. And you're righteous not because of your works. You're righteous because of what Jesus did. Adam, when he represented God, Adam at that time, man with no sin. Jesus was a man with no sin. Adam made one decision that affected everything. But then Jesus came back and made a decision that cleared all of that. So, so where are we at today? We get to stand in a place a victory, stand in a place knowing that the price for our sin has been defeated. The price for all of it has been taken care of. God looks at you. If you've, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're in relationship with him, I'm telling you, you are no longer classified a sinner. You are a righteous person who may sin and may mess up, but your identity now is no longer in, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner. No, your identity is you are righteous. That doesn't mean you don't sin, but you are righteous. You are in right standing with God because of what Jesus did. So when you go out, you know, I, I think I've used this on Wednesday. I'm not sure if I have here, but just to clear it up, you go out these doors. If you have to use the restroom, there's two doors. There's one that says women, one that says men. You know who you are, so you know what door you walk in. You don't have to go around. I don't go asking, um, should I go in the men's or the women's? Dude, you're a man. Go in the men's. Right? We go there because that's who we are. Listen, and, I, and that law, all that stuff in Charlotte that got overturned, all that, praise God for that. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter who you think you are, who you really are is where you need to walk in. And if you think you're something else, you're going to go in the wrong door. But if you see yourself as righteous, and then you have set before you righteous and, and unrighteous, right and wrong, life and death, blessing, cursing, you see all these doors, what door do you walk in? You walk in the door that identifies with who you are, not who you think you are, not what you've been told you are. You walk in the door that you know you are because the Bible says you are. So if the Bible says that you are righteous, then you walk to the right door. You walk to the righteous door. You walk through the blessing door. You walk through the good door. You walk through that door of life because that's who you are 
And when you help people and you realize who you are, you will now begin to live out righteously, which means we'll do what's last in your notes, and you will demonstrate God's love to every lost person out there. You will love them the way God loved you when you were lost. You will value them the way God valued you when you were lost. And you will, be, you will extend kindness and mercy and grace to those just as God did you when you were lost. Because you are righteous. And you act righteous and you live righteous, not as performance, but out of just who you are. Right? Don't shout me down. All right. Listen. When we love people, then here's what happens. We're going to be rejoicing. We're going to rejoice and we see people who put other people that maybe have given up on. But I'm telling you, we're going to see people come to know Jesus. Some of you have people in your family you've been praying for. I'm telling you, we can see them come to know Jesus. Some of you have friends on your job you've been praying for. You need to keep praying, but I believe we can see them come to know Jesus. But I believe we have to take some responsibility and say, Lord, help us live out who we're supposed to be. Because we need to love them. Would have been a whole different story. What if the shepherd just decided, you know, it's just one sheep. I got 99 more. That's not the heart of God. I got nine other coins. That one, you know, that coin don't even know it's lost. It's just sitting somewhere. I'll just get another one. That wouldn't have done it. Or the son come home when there's a locks are changed. Hey, that's the life you want, man. Go live it. You're not welcome back. See, that's not that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is merciful and kind and gracious. And that's what we need to live out. Because that's why Jesus came. That's why I came. That's why we celebrate today that Jesus came and he died. He was buried and he rose again. He conquered the wage of your sin and everybody else's if they'll receive it. 